Gonzaga Nation SI, this is one of the best weeks of the year. The first two rounds of the NCAA Tournament Selection Sunday has already happened. Adam Morrison and I are going to break it down as far as first round matchups. But first, we want to thank our sponsor for today, One Tree Cider, their Mojito Hard Cider. I had it the other day. It's pretty dang good. You can check it out at Yolks. Total Wines. They've got a tasting room downtown. Check them out. Support them just as they've supported Adam and I with Gonzaga Nation SI. Mo, I guess first question before we get into basketball. Mojito is a staple for me in the summer times. How about you? Uh, I'm more of a beer guy, to be honest. So, yeah, you can. I'll let you drink up all the mojitos. Sounds good. Well, last week we were brought by Brick West Brewing, so I'm sure you will uh, spend plenty of time and energy sorting through their craft beers. This week, the One Tree Cider Mojito, I will take a shot and really kind of give the feedback on that over the course of the summer. But Mo, let's break it down. Selection Sunday is one of the most exciting times for a college basketball player. Do you remember how you guys watched the selection show and the anticipation and then the excitement when you knew your matchup? Uh, yeah, we used to do it. Um, remember they used to have that, uh, like party in, in downtown and then the kind of the general public was invited. Um, so that's how we did it. I think my freshman year. And then after that, we kind of did it behind closed doors or just a little, uh, you know, limited engagement. Um, so yeah, the excitement, it was a, a little bit different, I think, then than it is now. Obviously, people are excited, but now it's either which number one seed are we going to get or maybe just a two. But back then it was we could be a six all the way to a three. Like, who knows? And we could be in the East region and what have you. So, um, you know, a lot of excitement, uh, you know, especially in the playing days of getting ready for the tournament. Yeah, I remember my freshman year at the University of Washington, we were on the bubble. We felt we were in because we beat a, a really good UCLA team with two games left. This was before the Pac-12 had a conference tournament. So we thought we were in, but we had no idea. We got sent all the way to Washington, D.C. to play. But then my senior year, I will never forget the feeling that I had. We were ranked sixth in the country, and we got a six seed. I mean, I, I look at one of Gonzaga's potential second-round matchups as maybe not as poor of a seeding job by the committee, with Boise State as what we got, but it's still, it's pretty bad for Boise State. That was a disappointing day uh, for us being a six seed. Yeah, I was actually at that uh, when I was a incoming, going to be a senior, or I was a senior that year. So I remember the, the crowd's reaction to that uh, at the selection show deal. And there was a lot of unhappy faces walking around uh, the administration, Coach Few, um, some of the staff. And so, yeah, it was a, uh, it was funny for me because it didn't matter for me, you know, what I mean? but it was, I was at that selection show. It was crazy. Yeah. I mean, you know, all things being said, I can look at it now 20 some years later and say, you know, seeds don't matter when we're sitting in this position. Uh, you still got to go out and play the games. That's the beauty of March Madness. But back to back years, Gonzaga is the overall number one seed. Uh, I know you've seen the team close up throughout the course of the regular season. Um, and you follow college basketball closely, did you have any doubt that they were going to be the one seed, and did you feel they were going to be in Portland? Uh, I didn't have any doubt after, um, you know, we won the conference. There was nothing really to knock us off the overall 
number one seed. Maybe Arizona was the other one that, in my mind, that could uh, take that away. Um, and then the Portland one made sense. Being the overall number one, you kind of get a play where handpick where you get a play kind of, or they do you a favor and put you close. Um, so for about a week and a half, I think everyone around the program uh, understood that it was going to be Portland. And then if we're lucky enough to go to San Francisco, but uh, yeah, I think it's great geographically for our fans. Obviously uh, we've played in the Moda center before. So that's another, uh, you know, positive and bonus uh, for some of our guys. And uh, you know, hopefully we can uh, take care of business those first two games. You know, as a one seed, you play a 16. There's only been one 16 ever that's beaten in one seed, and that was uh, UMBC knocking off Virginia uh, a few years back. So you would imagine Gonzaga is going to win. Um, but when you know you're going to be a one seed after they did winning the WCC tournament title, uh, what type of prep do you think the players go through in looking back at how you would have prepped? How much conference tournaments did you watch? um I watched a little bit of them I guess but uh I don't think I mean you don't really have an idea what the 16 seeds are going to be I think the prep starts obviously when you find out you're going to go over some of their actions but you're really going to probably prep for the next two games and I know that's that sounds like you know bulletin board material but you in this tournament you have to prepare look ahead in a good way if that makes sense so You'd obviously go over what Georgia State does well, who's their best players, but then, hey, Memphis runs this or Boise State likes these type of actions. You wouldn't say that that way in practice, but you would go over them so it's not starting from scratch, if that makes sense. Um, and, and, you know, and that's you build layers throughout the season defensively for that type for that type of situation. But, you know, when you're the number one overall seed and it's not like a knock on their program, you look ahead in a good way coaching wise and, and kind of get prepared for the next round. Yeah. And if you read some of the, the articles on our side, as well as other sites in prepping coach few, you know, makes similar sentiments that, Hey, this tournament, you can't look too far ahead because when you look too far ahead, that's when all of a sudden you're watching the games instead of preparing for the games. And I think he's always done such a good job of uh, getting the guys to focus on the task at hand. Um, when you look at Georgia State, they're a unique team. They've won their last 10 games in a row. They've won 12 of their last 13. Um, and it really kind of coincides with the big guy. Uh, I hope I'm saying his name correctly. Lyle Sosimi, uh, Cincinnati transfer. He's a big guy on the interior, averages nearly a double-double. Um, what, what do you expect out of a, a Georgia State team if you've gotten into your prep yet? Yeah, it, it would probably be – you know, if I'm going to go how they would play against us, they probably want to slow down the action. Um, they probably want to um, go inside to the big kid, like you mentioned, and see if he can, you know, uh, negate or eliminate Drew Timmy's impact on the game. Kind of like what St. Mary's did for us, you know, in the game in Moraga. And then actually, they I thought they played us pretty well in Vegas. Um, play one-on-one -on -one inside and, and try to uh, gamble with, you know, maybe having Drew have a bad game and then see if you can, shut down some of the perimeter guys. Um, but for us defensively, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we single covered that kid and see what it looks like, but have a, a double team package in our back pocket. And then obviously we're going to try to push the pace and play our style. And I think when you're heavily favored, you kind of have to impose your will on your style. And so, you know, it's nothing against Georgia state, but 
you know, it's about what we do this game and, you know, the next games, I think uh, in the second round, it's more about how Gonzaga plays than how they do, if that makes sense. Yeah, would I agree. And, and when there's a, a talent discrepancy, not again, not to say Georgia State doesn't have talented players, but when you have more talent, um, you want more possessions in the game. It gives you the ability to, to you know, extend a lead. Um, I, that's at least the way I've always looked at it. I've, uh, I've got one bit of experience with Georgia State. Um, I'll share it with, with you in a second. Have you, did you ever play against Georgia State or have you ever been to Georgia no. State? No. Well, it's in, it's in downtown Atlanta. I played with the Hawks for a year and a half, uh, so, so I knew the area well. But after my senior year, um, I, was, I was invited to be in the college three-point shootout. The final four was at, at uh, the Georgia Dome. Uh, they had a lot of activities at Georgia State as well as the Phillips Arena, but I was in the three-point shootout, and I took dead last in the three-point shootout. And Billy Greer and I think Leon Rice and, and Tommy all went there, and uh, they were heckling me before the three-point shootout started. I came out, and I just shot it like absolute trash. I hadn't touched the ball since we had lost to Michigan State. Um and I and I walked off after I think getting six points out of a potential twenty five, and you know Coach Greer's you know uh, negative personality at times where he kind of needles you. Uh, he gave it to me something fierce, but that's my that's on, that's my only interaction with Georgia State at any point in time. Oh, there you go. It's uh, we're gonna you're gonna have PTSD, Dan, when you're watching the game on the back well uh, three point yeah. shooting. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's, uh, let's quickly get to our question of the day. The question of the day is brought to you by Epic Sports Bar and at the Northern Quest Casino. The madness is here and bigger than ever at Epic Sports Bar with food and drink specials, prize giveaways, and more all tournament long. Grab your bracket and post up at the best tournament spot in town. Details at Northern Quest Casino. And this question comes from Kyle West in Spokane. Uh, it's geared towards both of us, Adam. He asks, is there one Gonzaga player that you feel has been overvalued in the last 20 years uh, that I've followed the Gonzaga program? So I guess we'll start with you, Adam. Uh, overvalued? What does that Sorry, mean? Sorry, undervalued. I misread the question. Yeah, I, I was like, <laughs> overvalued. To start, like, oh, my God, I'm not answering that. Um, undervalued as far as like how the team uses them or how the public views them or what? I mean, well, I guess where, we can go in think? any direction. So okay. I, I think for me, looking at undervalue would be maybe, um, they, the player doesn't quite get the recognition at that time that they should have deserved. You look back on them now and like, man, he was pretty dang good. Yeah. It's, you know, a player that comes to mind and, and I'm using it because I was, close to the program at the time but if you look at like how what he did for us defensively and offensively um and it was one of those things where it doesn't you know show up on the statue was gary bell when he was in the backcourt with kevin pangos he always guarded their best perimeter player he was a guy that always you know on defensive rotations would box out um you know just do all the little like winning plays if you watch film and understand the game you're like oh you win with that guy on the court um so i think you know, right when that question was um, asked, it was Gary Bell. Um, I think, you know, because <clears throat> Kevin had a great career and still playing um, and got a lot of accolades and rightfully so. But 
having Gary in the backcourt to, to eliminate some of that defensive pressure that he would have had to use if Gary wasn't there. And then all the little, you know, winning plays, stretching the floor um, really helped that group, uh, you know, be successful, get to elite eight and all that stuff. So I think Gary Bell is the one for me. Yeah, I, I think that's a great choice. Gary Bell absolutely is undervalued. But for me, I'm going to go back to your era. Um, and the reason I say this is because without this player stepping up and becoming an all-league kind of player of the year type candidate after you left, Gonzaga's streak of uh, NCAA tournaments probably would have been snapped. Gonzaga might not be what they are now, and that's Derek Rivio. Um, yeah. He was terrific with – facilitating with you and uh, JP Batista. Um, but I think after you guys were, were gone, um, I think it was that stretch where so much was placed on his shoulders. Gonzaga had a little bit of a, a rough patch. I know the Josh Heitfeld issue off the court. Um, and they had to literally limp into the WCC tournament. I remember the games at the, the tournament was played at University of Portland that year. And then Derek Ravio basically just willed them back to the NCAA tournament with how he played. Uh, so I think uh, for me, it would be Ravio. Great answer. I don't think you can go wrong with a lot of guys, but you know, I think Gary Bell for you, Ravio for me or two that come to mind are, are, are great picks. So for Gonzaga Nation SI, it's no better week than the first week of the NCAA tournament. We'll be back with a second episode later this week where we break down Gonzaga's two possible second round matchups, as well as answer your listener questions. So for Gonzaga Nation, SI, Adam Morrison and Dan Dickow, we'll see you soon.